Welcome to this week's episode of the HRDQU in Review podcast, where we bring you the latest insights and practical tools for enhancing soft skills training within your organization. This podcast is brought to you by HRDQ.com, and I'm your host, Sarah, Learning Events Manager at HRDQ. And today I have Andres Marquez Lara joining me from You Facilitate to discuss the recent webinar he presented with us over at HRDQU, The Unsung Heroes of Change middle managers, and their impact on the evolving workplace. This was a really engaging webinar, and we had a fantastic audience joining us that was extremely interactive. So I'm excited to discuss this topic a little bit more with Andres today. So thanks, Andres, for joining me. Welcome. Thank you, Sarah. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Really uh, glad to have connected with this HRDQ community. It's been really nice and wonderful. Yes, and this was your first time actually ever doing a webinar here with us over at yes, HRDQU. Nice. So yes. it was really great getting to know you a bit more. And I would love if you could share just a little bit about your background, um, yeah. you know, how you got to where you're at today, being you know the CEO of You Facilitate. Just for those folks that didn't get to tune in uh, to the webinar with us, and as you know, just so we can get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, sure. So my name is Andres Marquez Lara. I'm from Venezuela originally, but I've been in the U.S. now for many, many years. Uh, I'm a therapist by training, I'm an improv actor, I'm a community organizer, and these are the passions in my life that kind of uh, I've woven together from my various ventures. My most recent venture is You Facilitate, and we're all about making cross-cultural collaboration work. It's all about the messy human stuff, so you can kind of, you can kind of the egos, the conflict, the miscommunication. Uh, I think you can kind of see how my therapist background and the improv and the organizing would kind of be part of that, but that's that's how the short version of how I came to, to, be, to come to You Facilitate. I live in North Carolina with my family, and uh, it really, it's amazing. We have 130 people around the world. So we built this community of facilitators uh, that is just, they're amazing. And so I'm just really glad to be here representing us as a community. That's great. It's it was it's really, um, it's been a joy being able to learn just a little bit more about about um, yourself as well as you facilitate and, and how that's come to be. So one thing that I love to ask, I get to, to interact and collaborate with so many different subject matter experts um, in different areas. And I love to ask, you know, what changes they see happening in the L&D space right now. So I'd love to hear that from your perspective. Yeah. So actually, this is, you know, something that I did uh, in preparation for the webinar. I was looking at what are some of these future trend works that have to do. And because and, I, I, they're connected to the webinar, Middle Management Facilitation. And so five trends that uh, we reviewed, one essentially is something called the quiet hiring, right? So we had heard of the quiet quitting, but now there's also a quiet hiring where essentially people are being hired in, you know, they're either being reassigned within the organization, they're being promoted, or they're hiring short-term contractors, right? So this is one of the trends that's happening. Uh, another one is hybrid flexibility reaches the front lines. It's no longer upper management that wants hybrid benefits. It's, you know, going down the, down the line, right? And I know this will vary context by context, but there's this trend that people are seeing the benefits of that and they want for that for themselves. Another one has to do with just that managers, in particular middle managers, need support to navigate com- the, com- the competing leader and employee expectations, right? Unfortunately, middle managers get it from above and, and below. And I think, you know, this is also one of the reasons of why I wanted to do this webinar. Like, we know this is something that has been happening. It's increasing with this new way of working um, and they need a lot of support. Uh, and they also need some to redefine their role and, and learn some new skills. So what are those skills? What's their role and how do we support them? And so this trend speaks directly to that. A fourth trend has to do with uh, the pursuit of non-traditional candidates to expand the pipeline of talent, right? 
So this just means that people are looking beyond the usual pool candidates for a job. You know, uh, oftentimes you see in the tech industry, people that do these software boot camps. They had perhaps were a chemist major, right? a chemistry major, biology major. They do a three-month intensive boot camp. Now they are able to program and they get hired by that. So people that are in these non-traditional spaces are being hired for that. And the last trend that I researched was had to do with healing pandemic trauma and as a way to sustain performance, right? You know, the pandemic... I mean, yeah, we're post-pandemic, but we're still dealing with the trauma uh, of those years. And I mean, obviously it looks different in different places, different contexts, but you can't talk about the future of work and, and the situation without at least addressing that people are still recovering and the mental health issues around it uh, that we're dealing with. So those are some of the trends that uh, in my research I came across. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and definitely the... Uh the, the pandemic definitely flipped things upside down where then, mm-hmm. you know, normals and things like that have all completely shifted in the workspace for sure. And for so sure. what exciting things are you up to next? So right now, the things that we're working on, we're, you know, we're trying to help organizations deal with this messy human stuff that the pandemic has made even messier, right? And we do that through basically helping people come together, convene uh, different stakeholders coming together, whether it's internal within an organization or whether it's external, bringing different stakeholders together. Uh, our team is global, so we have projects going on in Africa, in the U.S., in Colombia, in different places around the world. And so that has me very excited because, again, the one thing I know for sure is that no matter what happens in the world, people, human beings will always need support to make collaboration work, right? And we are experts in collaboration. So therefore, I'm trying to really make sure that people know that you don't have to do this alone. There are people that specialize in how to help collaboration processes take place. And I want to make sure that people know that we're a resource to them. That's great. And and so we recently did the webinar together on the unsung heroes of change, middle managers and their impact on evolving workplace. Now, as a refresher for those folks that joined us during the event, as well as for those that haven't had the chance to, to listen to the recording yet, can you give us a synopsis of you know, what, what were the key takeaways for our registered side of that event to get everybody up to, on the same page here? Sure. So let me kind of give a, a high level recap. So essentially, one of the things that we have to acknowledge and we started this interview, this podcast this way, is just to recognize that the world's different. You know, there's a term called BANI, which stands for brittle, anxious, nonlinear, and incomprehensible. And this is the state of affairs post-pandemic, right? Uh, and where things that we thought were a sure thing actually are quite brittle and they kind of go away. And all of us listening to this podcast, we're expecting the next Twitter uh, news or the next thing on CNN to break, new war, new crisis, new, like we're all expecting the next, the, the, the next shoe to drop. So we're constantly living on this anxiety, pins and needles situation. On top of that, then you have this nonlinearity. You know, it's really kind of embodying the fact that you can't predict the future. Everything's nonlinear and it's incomprehensible. I mean, so this is the backdrop to which we are dealing with uh, in the future of work. And so within that context, it's very easy for paradigms to shift. What used to work in the past, what used to be established like the norm, like the nine to five office going to the office is completely changing, right? And within that context, what's going to remain, and this came from the Deloitte study on human capital, is essentially what they're calling a boundaryless world, where the traditional boundaries, again, office space, nine to five, are melting away. And in those environments, what really is key are human systems and dynamics, you know? And when you talk about the human system, this is like the, the things that are hard to really kind of pinpoint, and like grab onto. This is the realm of culture and this is a realm of middle managers. So this to me is kind of why I believe that middle managers can play such a pivotal role 
in the future of work. As the traditional workplace is changing, as these boundaries are, are melting away, you need people that can create and reinforce a cultural element and really support the, the staff. So the stats is basically that 70% of organizational engagement is tied up to managers. And you know that 60% of the hybrid knowledge work actually says that their main connection to culture is your middle manager. So with this context, this is why it's so important to be able to have uh, kind of reimagine this role of middle managers in this situation. So that's kind of some, some background about like, you know, the webinar. And again, the conclusion to, that I was trying to make is, you know, middle managers need support. They can't do it on their own. So we really have to empower them. We really have to have upper management really lay out a clear vision, be open to feedback and listening. And then middle managers in particular, also there's some skills that they can develop along the way, which include how do we think more complex with a complexity mindset, right? It's, it, no one has the whole answer. You have to see the system in, in a complex way. You got to be able to think in polarities. It's not an either or mentality, but a both and, right? And you have to think about also change management. You have to become an expert in change because this is only going to continue, right? You have to be able to provide meaningful feedback. That's going to be huge because that feedback is actually what nourishes and creates a culture and that, again, the, the dynamics between within the organization. And then they have to also become better facilitators. And this is also, as a facilitator who has a business of facilitation, I know it's a little biased, but the thing is facilitation is really the skill, is leadership and action in this context. It's what's going to allow you to bring together all these different points of view towards a common alignment. Yeah, and it sounds like, you know, a, a pivotal role of middle managers is that not only are they managing down and their staff, but also being able to manage up to give mm -hmm. feedback to their to the upper management so that they're aware of, you know, everything that's going on in the day to day of the, the organization's culture. Yeah. And it's not a popular opinion, but at the end of the day, some institutions, the upper leadership may not respond to that. And these middle managers have to make a decision, you know, like. Do I, you know, I, like, because the, the level of burnout that people have, it's, it's immense. The stat is that for burnout, I believe 52% of the people that responded to this survey by Indeed said they were burned out. And two thirds said that the pandemic made it worse. So we're dealing with this burnout crisis, if you will. And so middle managers who are trying to, you know, manage up and facilitate up and give that feedback, if they have situations where that's not happening, they have to make some tough decisions and see what else can I organize? Who else do I know in the organization to maybe try to get to that person that has so much control or perhaps start looking around? And unfortunately, you know, this is something where organizations that can build a healthy culture are going to attract and retain much more talent than those that don't. And so it's, it behooves the upper management to really create a healthy organizational culture so they can kind of retain the talent. And, you know, what are some trends in the future of work and how do, how do those trends that you're seeing impact middle managers? Well, I think really, as I mentioned, the one that really kind of sticks out to me is just, we just talked about is the pressure from above and below, right? Um, and I think that's the one that I'm talking about that, that middle managers have to be able to think about, okay, in this context, what tools do I need to be able to be successful? And to be able to do that, they have to have clarity from poor leadership. So I think one of the main things is, you know, like if things are not clear, you have to then kind of make that demand of upper leadership in the politically correct way or the diplomatic way that each institution has, you know, depending on the culture, that will look different, right? So I think that has, that has to be an important element to, for them to think about, okay, 
Let's get the marching orders, but also because at the end of the day, middle managers are also reinforcing that culture within meetings. Every time they meet with their staff, they're reinforcing that culture. If that's not clear or it's worse, misaligned from the, from the organizational culture, that can create a lot of tension, right? So that's one of the trends that, that I mentioned earlier. The other one, again, that sticks out to me is just this healing from the trauma, right? The workplace is a place that actually is hurting us physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know, there's a, I mentioned the webinar, there's a book by Dr. Jeffrey Pfeffer at Stanford that says called Dying for a Paycheck. And in that study, he says, you know, uh, he quoted a, a CEO that was speaking to a group of CEOs saying, you know, you are the cause of the healthcare crisis. And, you know, people were like, well, what are you talking about, right? And he just walked them through it. And he said, you know, let's start with the biggest source of stress is the workplace. And then let's go with the fact that stress leads to chronic conditions and metabolic syndromes, such as diabetes, heart disease, et cetera. And that accounts for 75% of the health disease burden in the U.S. So therefore, work stress leads to chronic conditions, which leads to the healthcare burden and is killing people. And then on top of that, another study that I came across by the World Health Organization said that if you work, and listen to this clearly, because I'm sure there are listeners out there that work more than 55 hours per week. That was the threshold. Mm -hmm. They said, if you work more than 55 hours per week, you have an estimated 35% chance of having, you're at risk of stroke. So your chance of getting a stroke is 35% higher than normal population by working 55 hours. I have many friends and family that I know work 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. And so that alone, it's the indication that to heal the trauma is not just the emotional elements from the pandemic, but the workplace has become so toxic that our people are basically, that our bodies are letting us know when we can't anymore. And we shouldn't have to wait so long for that. So that those are the two trends that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that are part of the future of work that I think for middle managers in particular, they have to be very mindful of. One, again, is about the organization itself, but also it's just very personal. You know, no job is worth our health, our physical, emotional, spiritual health. Wow, it's very shocking numbers. Yeah. With all of that that you just said, you know, what are some of the skills that, you know, the middle managers need to in order to, to be successful in this? So, so as I mentioned, the complexity mindset is one that I think is, is a starting point. You know, it's really important for, for middle managers in this context to embrace complexity. And so what does that mean? So there's a, a story that I mentioned, right? Where there was a group of six blind people that came across an elephant, but obviously they were blind, so they didn't know what it looked like. And one of them touched the trunk of the elephant and started saying, this is a snake. And he started arguing with the other people because the, in the back of the elephant, you had another blind person holding the tail saying, no, what are you talking about? This is a rope. And they were screaming at each other. And then the third one comes in, who's actually grabbing, uh, pushing against the the, the chest of the elephant, right? And he says, what are you talking about? This is actually a wall. So you can see that, again, it's the same elephant, but depending on our perspective, we're going to have a very different experience of it. So middle managers have to realize, because they have, they're have they in the middle of all these things, that no one person will hold the entire truth. No one person will be able to see the entire elephant. And so they need to be very mindful of that situation. And that requires people to really kind of embrace the polarities, which is the next uh, skill that I mentioned, polarity thinking. You know, in this complex world, it's not either or, it's not black or white, it's black and white. You know, we have to be, you know, it's not just about uh, being task focused or relationship oriented. You have to be both. It's not about uh, empowering or accountability, it's empowering and holding people accountable. 
right? And this, again, is another skill that's required, which also is complementary to that complexity mindset. Then you have to have them be experts in change management. You have to really help people, these middle managers, manage the change that's happening from all around, right? And for this, I, I mentioned one of my favorite uh, resources is called uh, Switch by the Heath Brothers. And they basically take uh, research by a psychologist named Jonathan uh, Hyde, I believe, where he says that humans think about our, our brain as if you had an elephant and a rider, right? So the rider is atop the elephant and they're moving around. The rider is the, um, the analytical, rational part. And the elephant is the emotional part, right? And it's going down a path. And change management is basically it's about aligning the analytical, the rider, the elephant, and the path. If you were to put them in a situation where you had the rider going, wanting to go to the left and the elephant wanting to go to the right, very clearly we could all see where, where the elephant is. Because this, this emotional power that we have is often underutilized in many ways in a way that can be productive, right? So becoming experts in change management has a lot to do with really managing our emotions and facilitating context for others' emotions to be used towards a common good. So change management is the third skill that I think is really key for these middle managers in this new role. The fourth skill, Sarah, has to do with providing meaningful feedback. And, you know, basically has feedback, it doesn't have to be in person. And that's one of the things that people say, well, you have to be back to the office so you can create a meaningful culture. You know, like there's definitely, there's arguments on both sides, <laughs> you know, of, but the research shows, at least this comes from Gallup most recently, that 80% of employees that who say they received meaningful feedback in the past week are fully engaged regardless of how many days they work in the office. So if we have a hybrid workplace or a virtual workplace and you're providing meaningful feedback in a constant ongoing way, these employees are going to feel more engaged than if they were in the office and never got that kind of feedback. So middle managers, because they're getting a gun from above and below, they have to be skilled at giving feedback, meaningful feedback to their employees downstream, but also being able to hopefully give constructive feedback to their senior managers as a way to support the process. The last skill, Sarah, that I'll mention has to do with facilitation. You know, I was struck that a few months ago, uh, Adam Grant, who's one of the thought leaders on leadership, had an interview, a podcast in his, uh, in his Rethinking podcast with Brene Brown and Simon Sinek, like the three like thought leaders on leadership, right? And Adam Grant was asking, there was a question from the audience that he brought it to them and said, all right, Brene, Anna wants to know if the word leadership did not exist, what alternative word would you use? And Brene Brown said, facilitator. And I, I didn't pay her for this, clearly. <laughs> but, but she was able to acknowledge something that it, to us is super clear that facilitation is leadership in action, right? Facilitation is how you bring down all these ideas and really help a group of people come together to align across this, in this various com very complex world. So again, to recap, I would say the five skills is complexity mindset, polarity thinking, managing change, providing meaningful feedback, and becoming better facilitators. And that is a great lead in here to the next question that I want to ask you is why facilitation? You're clearly very passionate about it. Why? why? Share us, give well, us a little I, insight there. Sure. So, so one of the things about complexity is that it's about, you know, how... How congruent is our worldview with what's happening on the ground, right? And in complexity, you have to adapt because the world's changing so quickly that if we have always looking at the world, it will no longer adapt, right? So think about, you know, if you're, if you're driving in the snow, you want to make sure you have snow tires to be able to have better grip on that. If I had a 
convertible in, in Buffalo in the middle of winter, like that would not be the best use. Uh, it wouldn't be congruent with the, the terrain. Well, same thing with the current workforce and the current leadership. The paradigm of the past was all about command and control. You know, let us kind of tell you what to do and you just implement it, right? It's, and it's a very kind of militaristic approach, which, you know, it had its moments. But that in a world that's, again, unpredictable, that things are moving so quickly, the, the idea is to actually engage and align. Is how do we help these groups that are moving constantly engage sufficiently and align sufficiently to move to the next level? And so for me, when you hear engage and align, like that's facilitation. Facilitation is bringing people together to solve complex issues so they can work together towards a common good, towards common purpose. And that has particular skills that are needed, which require you, by the way, to be able to lead yourself, to lead others, and to the organization. So you have, when you become a facilitator, you have to become really good and really skilled at leading yourself. And that alone, if you, if, if even if the meeting was was not good, <laughs> your practice and ability to improve your ability to self-regulate, to choose to respond instead of react, that alone is going to make you a better leader and a better person. If you do that often enough, then you'll be able to actually facilitate situations where somebody may insult you or say something, and you can use that as a way to support the group process instead of getting defensive, right? And so facilitation is just by its nature is designed to support groups to engage and align. And furthermore, the one thing I'll add is that I, in my book that I wrote recently, which will hopefully have a link in the podcast for your listeners, there's all these leadership skills that are part of facilitating. So for example, when you think about active listening, you think about empathy, you think about feedback, flexibility, and a lot more. These are all part of being a skilled facilitator that you kind of have to practice and even not be aware of it. You know, you can think for, for your listeners that are perhaps, I'm in my 40s, so Karate Kid was a movie that came out in my teens, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it was the, the wax on, wax off scene where Mr. Miyagi's teaching the, the Daniel or whatever his name was mm-hmm. about how to clean the cars. And he's all says like, well, wait, I've been cleaning your car, I've been cleaning this, and I haven't learned anything. And he all sort of starts like punching him and Daniel San can then like block him. And he realized like, oh my God, I've been learning without realizing I was learning. Well, facilitation, you are learning all these leadership skills without necessarily realizing that you're learning, you know, to be a better listener, to give feedback, et cetera. So these are some of the reasons why I think facilitation is such a crucial skill in the future of work. And I feel like it's it's probably safe to say that it's not uncommon for there to be a disconnect between upper management and middle managers and their employees. Um you know, so what can middle managers do to get the support from their upper management? You know, I think it's something that this comes from, I've been in therapy for many, many years and I advocate for anyone listening to this to make sure you have a space in your life where you can either, you know, a coach, a therapist, but a space where you can actually like hear yourself and have other people give you feedback, right? But one of the things that came up in my, in my therapy recently, and it's a group therapy, by the way, which is makes, that's a whole other, <laughs> whole other podcast. Um, is the fact that we have to lead our conversations. We can't come into a conversation expecting our senior management team to do what we want or say what we want to say. It's not gonna happen. We have to take, we have to lead. We have to lead ourselves and we have to lead others. So for me, be like, you know, first of all, how do, the first step would be building a relationship with that person. It's all about relationships. Just because you can say something doesn't mean it's gonna be heard. And the way that it can be heard is by building a relationship. So Build relationship with your supervisor, with your senior managers. 
not just about the work. Yes, do your work. Make sure you're doing your 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 what you're being asked for. But at a human level, check in with them to the extent to the extent you feel comfortable. You know, don't don't disclose what you don't disclose. Don't ask. You know, don't don't ask things. Perhaps you feel if you know the person's too personal. But just check in every once in a while. Like, hey, how are things going? You know, outside of work, depending. And again, this is very culture dependent, obviously. So this is. But the the basic premise would be build your relationship with your supervisor. What it looks like, it'll depend on the person and the context. But once you have that and you, you're, you're expending, you're investing energy and time in building a relationship, then you can also increase the ability to be more direct and ask for feedback and give feedback. Be able to learn how to, how to share what, what you need to do your work and grow a thick skin. So if the supervisor says something that you disagree with, stay in the, stay in the discomfort and be curious, you know? If you do these three things, I think you're going to build a really solid foundation with this person or this group of people to have these difficult conversations because that's what's really needed. If you don't feel you have the support you need with, with in your current situation, you have to engage. But to do that, you have to build the conditions. So to recap, build trust, build a relationship with that person, you know, be able to be direct with that person and be grow your grow grow a thick skin. So in case things come at you that you don't <laughs> that you don't like. Stay in it and be curious. And then on the flip side of that, what can senior leadership do to support their middle managers? I would almost say the same thing, right? <laughs> Build a relationship with the people you supervise. Yeah. Get to know them. And I think it's a bit easier because if senior leadership models that, that sets, gives permission then for others as well, right? If, if you are a supervisor and you, and you start your meetings by checking in with people. I had a call recently with a staff member and you know we were doing our check-ins and she shared something that was very painful for her about her personal life. And she actually got a little teary-eyed and weepy. And like in, in our culture, that's fine. I mean, again, I'm a therapist. Emotions are like, I, I love that she felt comfortable enough to be able to be vulnerable with me. And what I did is like, we had a, a packed agenda, but I was like, you know what? The agenda can wait. <laughs> How's this human being, this person I care about doing, right? And we spent not half an hour, it was like 10 more minutes to the point that she felt good enough that we could continue, right? And so these are the small things that as senior leaders, you can have people you can model the behavior you want to see in others and it gives them permission to be more human. So senior leaders can be curious, build a relationship with your staff, right? Then also uh, learn how to give meaningful feedback. You know, it's not about just like cheering them on. Oh, you're awesome. But like when things don't go as you want them or in the vision, like, okay, well, how do you give that hard conversation, right? How do you hold people accountable and empower them? Again, the same thing. And then I think the, the other piece is also just thinking more systemically, like look around, other, I mean, other. What you, as a senior leader, you are responsible also to looking at what else is happening across your organization and outside your organization. And so you can also bring that information, bring it back to your team as well to learn from that. And the last thing I would say is like, learn how to be inclusive. You know, I get it. You can't always be inclusive and bring everyone to a conversation. That makes sense. But you can always frame a, 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 a frame a decision and say, okay, well, you know, we have to move forward with this. Sorry, it's the way it is, the shareholders or whatever. But within that, here's two areas that we still need a lot of support and we would love your input in that, right? And granted, that doesn't always work. But again, it's about really how do you support people in meaningfully getting engaged and feeling included in processes? And not just a checkbox, but in a much more meaningful way, right? So again, some these are some, again, there's no cookie cutter approach, which is why we say this is the messy human stuff. Every organization has this unique culture, unique context, and it's really sometimes it requires for all of us 
middle managers above and below to slow down enough to say, hey, how are we working? What's going on? How are we feeling? Like having those moments to check in, which is why we recommend having retreats, you know, annually, quarterly, have these moments for people to just really slow down enough to check in about how they're working, not just the work itself. A common theme that I'm gathering here is that relationship building is a really key foundation to um, you know the success of in this in this endeavor and in life. <laughs> yeah, and in life, yes. <laughs> and so, Andres, before I let you go today, where can listeners go to learn more about your work and connect with you? Thank you. Yeah, no, uh, please check us out at you facilitate the letter U and the word facilitate dot com. Uh, and that's where you can find out more about what we do. I have a free ebook that I wrote last year with ChatGPT called Facilitating Leadership, a quick and easy guide to leading with brain, heart, and soul. You can download that for free at the website. Uh, we also have podcasts such as this one and other ones that we'll be uploading as well. But we'd love to stay connected with anyone who's inspired uh, by this conversation. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Andres. Thank you so much, Sarah. And if you have not checked out the uh, webinar yet, make sure you click the link in this description as well so you can watch that recording. There was some really great content over there. And we hope that you enjoy listening to the HRDQU interview podcast available on all major streaming platforms. If you did enjoy today's episode, make sure to give us a follow and leave us a five-star re- review. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the HRDQU interview podcast brought to you by HRDQ.com.